NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Kohler Smart Toilets introduce a new standard of design and cleanliness, sculptural forms, intuitive technology, and total personalization with integrated warm water cleansing, heated seats, and warm air dryers. For peace of mind and convenience, there are touchless lids, seats, flush, and a self-sanitizing bidet wand. Now you can even use voice commands with Numi 2.0, featuring built-in Amazon Alexa. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash smart toilets and discover what you've been missing. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com offer slash SiriusXM. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that still haunt us today. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And I'm Haley. And really quickly, we're going to choose our winner. I don't know if anyone remembers um, because we weren't really advertising it, but we were doing a giveaway for our Patreon members. And tell us what it is again. Our winner will receive a Haunting History baseball tee, a hat, a sticker, a mask, and a coaster. So Haley's going to pick that winner right now. Okay. Our winner for the package giveaway is... Megan Pevich. Okay, so Megan, I, I'm, I'm, we have your um, address in Patreon, so we'll get that out into the mail to you this weekend. And hopefully we're going to do some more Patreon-only giveaways. So for those of you that are not on Patreon, we will do giveaways for um, anyone at any level can enter into the giveaway. So you get $2, $5, or $15. You get episodes a day early. 
We get special giveaways. Sometimes we have extended information, stuff like that. Wouldn't that be just called extra content? Sure. Okay. So today we're going to take you all the way back about 160 years ago. I don't know if a lot of people now really are big fans of the Wild West. I happen to be. I mean, just probably as much as I am about old Hollywood. I love stories about the old West. And um, this one called out to me only because it includes all the things that I love. It's the Wild West, it's outlaws, it's history, and it's genealogy. And hopefully one day it's going to be DNA also. So, and a mystery, and it's still unsolved today. The heritage of Billy the Kid has been in question for over a hundred years. Where he was born, what his name really was, and even more of a mystery, did he really die on July 14th, 1881? His life is such a mystery, no one can even agree if his father was Patrick McCarty or William Bonney. We do know that there are equal amounts of people on each side of the McCarty-Bonney debate. It's not really questioned who his mother was, though. His, her name was Catherine Devine, and the Billy the Kid that we know in legend is believed to have been born in September of 1859, making him just 21 years old when he died. Or was he? As a child, Billy traveled with his brother and mother to Indiana and then to Kansas, where Catherine was told to go because of her health. Finally ending up in New Mexico, Catherine married again to a man named William Antrim. Unfortunately, the change in weather didn't help Catherine, and she died, leaving the two young boys behind at the age of, she was about 40 to 48, they don't really know for sure. Their stepfather, having no desire or no choice in the matter, decided that he didn't want to be tied down to the boys. He dropped them off at different family members' houses and disappeared. Billy, feeling equally as unhappy, took off into the New Mexico sunset, where he decided to make his own life. As legend has it, Billy's first foray into the life of crime was when he and a friend stole a bag of laundry. And there's even questions of whether he was actually involved in the stealing of the bag of laundry, but the boys were both caught and not let off very easily. The thought was to put a little fear into young Billy, so they locked him in a jail cell to teach him a lesson. Billy, though, was scared and took it very seriously, more seriously than they had anticipated. That night, he escaped the small cell and went on the run, probably deciding right then and there what his future would hold. He became ranch hand and sheep herder in Arizona. He drew the attention of the camp blacksmith, a man by the name of Frank Windy Cahill. Which I had never heard this story before, and we have Cahills in our family. Mm-hmm. Well, your side of the family. I'd be really interested if there was any connection. I mean, Cahill isn't that unusual of a name, but it's unusual yeah. enough. Um, apparently, Cahill thought it was entertaining to ride the young criminal. He kind of gave him grief all the time, called him names. He was the youngest one out of everybody there, so he just gave him a hard time. One day, he took it too far, though, and called Billy a name. Billy responded, which in turn led to a fight. Completely overpowered by the big, giant, burly Cahill, Billy pulled his gun and shot and killed Wendy Cahill. He, people say he didn't really do it on purpose. He was just kind of overpowered, and it was his first thought to pull out his gun. Nobody knows for sure if he even pulled the trigger, but he did kill him. Like, pulled the trigger on purpose, I mean. Oh, I was like... <laughs> no, he pulled the trigger, but they don't know for a fact that he pulled the trigger on purpose. It was just sort of a reaction yeah. to being jumped. Fear of being hung, Billy ran to New Mexico, his first kill under his belt to take part in what would become known as the Lincoln County War. Have you heard of Lincoln County War? No. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it. 
If you're not familiar with the Lincoln County War, it was a conflict in the Old West between rivals and their gangs of people. If you've seen the movie Young Guns, did you ever watch that? I think so. I love that movie. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And the majority of that movie deals with the Lincoln County War and the regulators. The thing is, the Lincoln County War started in 1878. It wasn't really a war. It was just two factions of people in New Mexico between two groups of people competing for sales of goods and cattle. It was originally monopolized by a man named James Dolan, who owned what was called the house, or they referred to it as that. It wasn't really called the house, but he owned like a mercantile store and he sold cattle. He kind of just owned everything in town until Londoner John Tunstall came to town and offered competition to him. And James Dolan didn't like that. He had, um, you know, he had the sheriff with him. He had the mayor. He had like people on his side, people on his side. And so then here comes this new guy, John Tunstall, who wants to sell cattle and goods. And people were using him probably because he was cheaper than James Dolan being the one that monopolized it. So the two sides kind of got started fighting and they both kind of came up with like their own posses. Dolan and his partner, Lawrence Murphy, hired gunmen that they called the boys or the Dolanites. And Tunstall kind of gathered up his ranch hands. Most of them criminals, young boys or orphans, kind of guys on the edge that he took in, gave them lodging and food. And then they were very loyal to him. And one of them was Billy the Kid. Back then, going by the name of William Bonney, which is where they started calling him Billy. And um, he called his group, his posse of guys, the regulators, to basically help him fight to the death. It was like these two rival gangs fighting each other for the right to sell goods and merchandise and cattle. And, I mean, things that, I mean, wouldn't happen today, but back then. I mean, kind of. It happens with, like, gangs in L.A. for control over areas. Yeah, Yeah. I guess. Um. Well, the Wild West, they they used to do it over things like cattle and Mm -hmm. things like that. And John Tunstall, who history and legend conflict on, legends claim that Billy the Kid looked upon John Tunstall as a father figure. And it may or may not be true. I know that John Tunstall supposedly took care of like his regulators of the young boys that worked for him on the on his ranch and things like he gave them. um, He fed them, he gave them lodging and he was he was good to them and they were very loyal to him. But it's kind of unlikely that he looked at him as a father figure. And the reason why is, like, in the movies, it, all the movies, really, they portray John Tunstall as being, like, a father figure. He's really only a couple of years older than Billy the Kid. When he died, he was 24. So he probably wasn't much of a father figure, really. But the regulars... But regulators, a role model of some kind. Yeah, maybe. the regulators were very loyal to him. There's no doubt that Billy felt some kind of loyalty to John. Um, but as far as a father-son relationship, it's probably more legend than truth. Like I said, he was only just 24 years old when he was gunned down by the Dolanites, or the boys, whichever you want to call them, after they had legally tried to bully him and goad him. And it didn't work. His death set off what was later called the Lincoln Wars. That's literally what started it, is that they shot and killed John Tunstall. So then the regulators took up guns and decided to go after them. And... The regulars were made up of Billy the Kid, currently using the name William Bonney, like I said, and was completed by um, Richard Brewer, Chavez y Chavez, Doc Skurlock, Char- Charlie Bowdry, 
George Coe, Frank Coe, Jim French, Frank McNabb, and William McCloskey, who they later deemed was a traitor, was like an insider. Playing traitor. both sides. Yeah. All familiar names if you're a Wild West fan, and they, along with other employees and friends of Tunstall, turned to the local justice of the peace, who had sympathy for them. He didn't think that... He knew that John Tunstall was murdered, basically because he was competition, not because of anything that he had done illegally or to anyone. So he kind of sided with the regulators and um, deputized them to go out and find the killer of John Tunstall. The regulators killed two of Dolan's men during what they claim was an attempted escape after they supposedly peacefully captured them. And they killed the sheriff of Lincoln, Bill Brady. And Billy the Kid is completely given the credit for killing the sheriff, Bill Brady. And this would actually come back to haunt Billy later on. During July 15th to July 19th, 1878, the battle became known as the Five-Day Battle. The U.S. Army had to intervene. What had happened is the Dolanites slash boys had basically surrounded the home that all the regulators were in. So for five days, the regulators were regulators were holed up in this house with the Dolanites on the outside, and they were just basically shooting each other constantly just for Jeez. five straight days until the army came in and just said, you know, this is enough. It's hmm. gone on for too long. The regulators ended up breaking up after um, some of them got away. But after after they got away, they kind of broke up, um, technically losing the five-day battle. And now Billy the Kid is on the run because he really did. He's given all the credit for killing Sheriff Bill Brady. He decided to set up near camp near set up camp near Fort Sumner and Billy stayed hidden for almost two years, not likely living the quiet life. Billy the legend Billy became a legend not only in the public's eyes, but his own mind too. He was finally captured by the new sheriff Pat Garrett in eighteen eighty one. And what's really interesting is Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid were friends at one time. But Pat Garrett became law and Billy the Kid continued in his outlaw ways. Mm-hmm. He captured him in 1881 and tried him for the murder of Sheriff Brady during the, during the whole Lincoln War thing. And on April 13th, 1881, Judge Warren Bristol sentenced Billy to be hung on May 13th. Giving Billy a month lead time probably wasn't a good idea. He was tried in April and they said they were going to hang him in May. He's already proven several times that he can escape from anything. I mean, he escaped during the first time he was in jail ever. He escaped during the battle the five-day battle he got out of the house and rode away and now they're putting him in jail and telling him he has a month most likely giving him a month probably had a lot to do with the fact that it would give the town a bunch of publicity for having billy the kid like he was very well known like i can't describe it like newspapers were publishing like all his kills and all the things that he was doing and then um they were writing books about billy the kid and like at first i don't know if he even knew that he was Billy the Kid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Were people talking about him like they liked him or like that he was like an enemy? No, he was very well liked, believe it or not, um, by the people that, that knew him. And then um, he didn't like rob trains and things like that. I mean, he did murder people, but he wasn't like out in the public, like Jesse James, like getting on trains and scaring people and robbing them at gunpoint. He was, what he was doing was vengeful in a way that he, like, it seems to me like most of the stuff was him protecting himself, like with the Wendy Cahill. And then um, like he was avenging the death of John Tunstall. He was vicious and full of vengefulness, but 
he wasn't out just robbing and scaring regular townspeople. So he became sort of like a folk hero, you know what I mean? And all these books are being published, little dime store books that you could buy literally for a dime, and telling the story of Billy the Kid. And so I think at first a lot of things, like I think they said that he ultimately killed 21 people. He says alone that he killed 15. We know three of them were during the Lincoln Wars. Wendy Cahill was one. I don't know who all the rest of them are, or if he really did it or not. It was sort of the legend being built up. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Whether he really did it or not, it was sort of just his legend of what he did. But in general, and you'll hear more, you'll hear, I'll, I'll finish telling this, um, but it definitely would have given the town and the sheriff a bunch of publicity that they captured Billy the Kid. It, it, but it just wasn't smart. He wasn't going to stay there. So I don't know why they gave him that much time. Billy ended up breaking out of jail. And here's the thing. The whole story of what happened that day will probably never be completely known as the only one to survive is Billy himself. And he's not alive now to tell this story, but he was being held on the top floor of the County courthouse. And while Pat Garrett was out of town, who was the one who captured him, Billy planned his escape. Well, one of the guards left to escort the other prisoners to dinner, like across the road. Billy convinced the other guard to take him to the outhouse. So when he did, on the way back, Billy either overtook the guard and took his gun, or one of his buddies left a gun in the outhouse. So when they got back in the jail, he shot and killed the deputy that was guarding him. And when the other deputy heard the noise, he was literally just across the road. He ran, he went to run to the courthouse to see what the gunshot was. And Billy shot him from the top floor and killed him dead in the street. The weird thing is that he actually took his time leaving town. Some say that he was dancing on the balcony and singing after he had killed both the deputies. Other people say he rode a horse, he stole a horse, rode out of town singing. He wasn't afraid of being captured again. And no one tried to stop him. None of the townsfolk or anything Mm -hmm. tried to stop him. Some say it was because he was well-liked. Some say that they were in awe of the celebrity outlaw. And others say that they were just too afraid. I mean, he just shot, shot and killed two police officers. And and was happy about it. And did not give yeah. two shits about it. Yeah. When Pat Garrett got back to town, and this is where everything goes a little crazy. When Pat Garrett got back to town and found out that Billy, what Billy had done, he and two of his deputies, who were John Poe and Thomas McKinney, each probably hoping to be the one to capture the infamous Billy the Kid, went on a search. Too bad for Billy that he didn't go far enough away. In July, Garrett got word that Billy was at Fort Sumner, which was just like 120 to 150 miles away from them, which that kind of right there leads you to believe how much Billy himself had built up in his legend in his own mind. He didn't even try to get that far away. He only went like 140 miles away. Yeah. So he clearly wasn't that scared of being caught. He's a little cocky. A little cocky. It's definitely weird. On July 14th, the sheriff and the two deputies approached Fort Sepner, which wasn't a fort anymore by then. It was uh, changed into, like, living. People lived in the in the different officers' offices and stuff. They had literally changed Fort Sepner into a living com- compound where a bunch of families lived. Mm-hmm. And... When they got there, they tried to question the people there, but they were all really protective of Billy and wouldn't say whether he was there or not and wouldn't give any information. Garrett decided to find Billy and his mutual friend. Um, they both were really good friends with this guy named Pete Maxwell. His name was Pedro Maxwell. 
but he went by Pete Maxwell, hoping that he would tell him where to find the outlaw. And then this is the account from Pat Garrett's book, um, The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid, written with Robert Utley, called Billy the Kid, A Short and Violent Life. And this is Pat Garrett's. This is what he wrote that he said happened that day. I then concluded to go and have a talk with Peter Maxwell, in whom I felt sure would re- I could rely. We had ridden to within a short distance of Maxwell's grounds, and when we found a camp man in camp and stopped, to pose great surprise, he recognized the camper, an old friend and former partner in Texas named Jacobs. We unsettled there, got some coffee, and on foot, entered an orchard which runs from this point down a row of old buildings, some of them occupied not more than 60 yards from the Maxwell's house. We approached these houses cautiously, and when within earshot, heard the sound of voices conversing in Spanish. We concealed ourselves quickly and listened, but the distance was too great to hear words or even distinguish voices. Soon a man rose from the ground in full view, but too far away to recognize. He wore a broad-brimmed hat, a dark vest, and pants, and was in his shirt sleeves. Within a few words, which fell like a murmur to our ears, he went to the fence, jumped it, and walked towards the Maxwell's house. Little as we then suspected, this man was the kid. We learned subsequently that when he left his companions at night, he went to the house of a friend, pulled off his hat and boots, threw himself on the bed, and commenced reading a newspaper. He soon, however, hailed his friend, who was sleeping in the room, and told him to get up and make some coffee, adding, Give me a butcher knife, and I will go over to Pete's and get some beef. I'm hungry. The friend rose, handed him the knife, and the kid, hatless and in stocking feet, started to the Maxwell's, which was a few steps distant. When the kid, by me unrecognized, left the orchard, I had motioned to my companions and we cautiously retreated a short distance, and to avoid the persons whom we had heard at the house, took another route approaching Maxwell's house from the opposite direction. When we reached the porch of the front building, I left Poe and McKinney at the end of the porch, about 20 feet from the door to Pete's room, and went in. It was near midnight and Pete was in bed. I walked to the head of the bed and sat down on it, beside him near the pillow. I asked him as to the whereabouts of the kid. He said that the kid had certainly been about, but he did not know whether he had left or not. At that moment, a man sprang quickly to the door. Looking back, I called twice in Spanish, Who comes there? No one replied, and he came on in. He was bareheaded. From his step, I could perceive he was either barefooted or in his stocking feet, and he held a revolver in his right hand and a butcher knife in his left. He came directly towards me. Before he reached the bed, I whispered, Who is it, Pete? But received no reply for a moment. It struck me that it might be Pete's brother-in-law, Manuel Abreu, who had seen Poe and McKinney and wanted to know their business. The intruder came close to me, leaned both heads, hands on the bed, his right hand almost touching my knee, and asked in a low tone, Who are they, Pete? At that same instant, Maxwell whispered to me, That's him. Simultaneously, the kid must have seen or felt the presence of a third person, me, at the head of the bed. He raised quickly his pistol, a self-cocker, within a foot of my breast. Retreating rapidly across the room, he cried, Who's that? Who's that? in Spanish. All this occurred in a moment. Quickly as possible, I drew my revolver and fired, threw my body aside and fired again. The second shot was useless. The kid fell dead. He never spoke. A struggle or two, a little strangling sound as he gasped for breath and the kid was with his many victims. I, that kind of takes my breath away. Like, he was literally in the dark. And why did his friend tell Pat Garrett that it was him? I don't know. 
Like at first he didn't answer. When Pat Garrett asked Pete, who is that? Pete knew or probably knew that it was Billy the Kid. And then for some reason decided to whisper to Pat Garrett, that's him. Like, I don't know who was Maxwell better friends with, Pat Garrett or Billy the Kid. Or maybe he was afraid that he was harboring a fugitive. I don't know. It just kind of, I don't That story makes my stomach hurt a little bit. Like that moment, that moment in time is such a legend in such history. That one single moment and only three people were there to say what really happened. The people of Fort Sumner awoken by the blast, carried Billy's body to a room and laid him on a bench and lit candles all around him. He was very well liked by the people he lived with and they were devastated by his death. The next day, the community buried him in the Fort Sumner Cemetery. But was it really Billy the Kid that they buried? In 1949, a survivor of the Lincoln County War, his name was John Hines, told a paralegal, William Morrison, that Billy didn't actually die at the hands of Pat Garrett. In fact, he was very much alive and living in Texas. He was an old man named Ollie Roberts, better known as Brushy Bill. When questioned, he made a deal. He said if Morrison would help him get the pardon that the governor, New Mexico governor Lee Wallace had promised him back in 1879, he would tell the truth. And then he made a startling claim. He said that Pat Garrett did kill a Billy, but not Billy the Kid. He knew this because he was, in fact, him. He claims that he was Billy the Kid and that Pat Garrett killed a, another guy named Billy Barlow and that that's who they buried. Billy the Kid took off out of the back of Fort Sumner and disappeared. So wait, this guy is claiming to be Billy the Kid? Yes. Brushy Bill claims that Pat Garrett didn't kill him, quote unquote, Billy the Kid. He killed a guy named Billy Barlow instead. He said that he escaped that night and went to Mexico and he lived with Indians until it was no longer being sought after. He said that um, he stayed in Mexico until he felt like the heat was off of him in the U.S. And then he ended up working as a Wild West performer, a lawman and living under a dozen different aliases. He even had old friends that vouched for him and said that he was Billy the Kid, that they knew him back when he was going by William Bonney or Henry McCarty. He seemed to know things that only Billy the Kid would actually know, but therein lies the problem. No one can confirm or deny what he was saying except for the real William Bonney slash Henry McCarty slash Billy the Kid. But if he was written in newspapers and all of his stories were written places, wouldn't anyone know things? Apparently he was telling stories that nobody knew. Oh. But the thing is, nobody was there to confirm that his stories were real, true or not. Right. The... Although Brushy Bill does look an awful lot like the one and only verified tintype, there's only one absolutely verified tintype of Billy the Kid. And I watched this video of where they did the um, overlap. Mm-hmm. And they say that, that you can always tell if a person's a person no matter how old they get by their ears, like where their ears are on their face because your ears don't move. So the the thing is, is that the photo of Brushy Bill compared to the one and only verified tintype of Billy the Kid, the ears don't match up at all. Like, I watched them do the overlay and everything, and it really doesn't match up. But they can't say it's still 50-50, whether it could be him or not. They can't say for sure that it's not, and they can't say for sure if it is. And then there's been two other claims. I think there's two other tintypes um, that they say look like Billy the Kid, too, and they really do. So 
There's only one verified tintype, and it actually sold for $2.3 million. The one. Goodness gracious. Right? So everyone's always trying to find a new photo of Billy the Kid. And they have to be out there. I mean, he would have, he was very full of himself. He would have taken photographs of himself Mm -hmm. posing with his gun and things. Yeah. And the fact that he was buried the next day, there was never a death certificate issued for Billy the Kid. And it was really just left to Pat Garrett and the two deputies to confirm that the body was in fact Billy's. Because if Pete Maxwell was really, really good friends with Billy the Kid first, he probably wouldn't have said that's him. Secondly, he would have let the, he would have, if Pat Garrett and the two deputies had said that they killed Billy the Kid and Pete Maxwell was really friends with Billy the Kid, he would have followed, he would have went along with it. Yeah. He would have wanted his friend to get away. Brushy Bill died in 1950 right after Morrison had filed a petition on his behalf asking for the pardon of Billy the Kid that he said that he had been promised. He said he had testified against others in another killing and was promised by the, the then Governor Wallace to issue a pardon in exchange for his testimony, but he never did. He never gave that pardon. There are people in Hico, Texas that still believe it's likely that their brushy bill was in fact Billy the Kid. They believe the only reason he ever agreed to be interviewed or ever told the truth of who he was was because he really wanted the pardon before he died. He felt very strongly about that. And the people that knew Brushy Bill knew that he was very passionate about the fact that he should have gotten a pardon if he was, in fact, really Billy the Kid. Right. Um, And believe it or not, this is still ongoing. In 2010, Governor of New Mexico Bill Richardson was asked if he would pardon Billy. And Richardson said that he believed that Wallace did promise the pardon to Bonnie. Yet there was historical ambiguity about why Wallace didn't follow through. Richardson said that he didn't want to second guess the former governor's decision. When CNN interviewed the great grandson of Wallace, he said that there's no proof his great, great granddaddy ever offered the pardon and feels it would disrespect his grandfather's legacy for a new governor in 2010 to step in and offer a pardon just for tourism's sake. And it would defame his ancestor who wrote quote unquote was an American hero. He calls his, his grandfather an American hero. The family of Pat Garrett feel the same way saying they opposed a pardon, arguing that Billy was a killer. Bottom line, he was a killer. And they want to make sure that the the sheriff, their ancestor, was absolved from any wrongdoing, if in fact he did kill the kid. Besides, they say the fact that Billy escaped from prison made the pardon null and void anyways, that he didn't deserve the pardon once he escaped prison. Yeah. And maybe that's why Wallace didn't follow through with his... I just find it so fascinating that the descendants of these people are still fighting to keep the the historical portion of it intact and not let people do it now just for publicity's sake. Yeah. There are others who claim that they were Billy the Kid also. It's hard to imagine now, but a Wild West outlaw was a celebrity in his time, but he was well-liked outlaw. Some describe him as being a friend while others claim he had the devil inside him, which I think is probably partially true on both sides. Enough books were written about his exploits, real and imagined, that for a time being, everyone was claiming that they were the real and only Billy the Kid. The thing is, we'll never know. I was super excited thinking that, heck, let's, like, dig him up and do some DNA with his mom. Like, dig her up, dig him up, do a DNA, find out for sure who he was, and kind of, I mean, kind of entail digging up a lot of people. But why hasn't anyone done that? There's the thing. There may not be any direct descendants of Billy the Kid, Although if you go on Ancestry.com and type in Billy the Kid or even easier, go to Google and type in 
descendants of Billy the Kid, and you'll literally get lost for hours. I couldn't stop reading. There are so many claims of people not only being descendants, but claiming to be direct descendants, claiming even that Billy was married at one time to a Choctaw Indian and had more than one child. They think he had four. But sadly, another story, and it's widely believed that he did have one illegitimate child. Apparently, Billy's friend Pete Maxwell, I don't know if he's his friend or not, if he was the one that was there when he was shot, had a sister named Paulita. Apparently, she and the kid had a torrid affair before and after his prison escape, and she was pregnant when he died, when supposedly when he was shot. So they say that that daughter was Billy's daughter. So the arguments online are worth a read. The McCartys and the Bonnie family both claim him as their own. If you look up the, the family trees of the McCarty family and the Bonnie family, they all say that Billy the Kid is their ancestor. Mm-hmm. The thing is, there's no proof that he ever had any kids. Yeah. And then this is where the problem lies. The biggest problem. Billy the Kid was buried the next day in New Mexico near Fort Sumner, at the Fort Sumner Cemetery. But there have been floods, many, many floods, and the bodies have moved around. So even if they did decide to dig him up. Probably wouldn't find him. They don't know which one he is. Yeah. So here they would have no idea. Like if, even if they found bodies, they wouldn't know which one was Billy the Kid. So they could do DNA all day long. Mm-hmm. But they don't know if they're even testing. The right person. Right. The only other source I can find which would make other descendants of Billy the Kid was his. he did have a brother named Joseph. And here, again, lies the problem. No one knows if his brother Joseph was his full brother or his half-brother. They do believe his mom was involved with the Bonnie. They do believe his mom was involved with the McCarty. They don't know if both boys were born of the same father. So you could trace the DNA and the genealogy of Joseph, but I couldn't find a lot of things. I knew that he did have a brother, but I did find on truewestmagazine.com, they have a section called Ask the Sheriff, And it says, Joseph left Arizona in about 1880 and lived in Trinidad, Colorado as a professional gambler. Some newspaper gossip claimed he was planning to shoot Pat Garrett for killing the kid, but Joe denied it, saying he and Garrett had discussed the issue and parted amicably. Which is another kind of suspicious thing. If he talked to Pat Garrett about killing his brother, why would they part amicably? Like, why would he be like, oh, you killed my brother? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's shake on it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Unless Pat Garrett, did Pat Garrett tell him, hey, it's all bullshit. I didn't really kill your brother. I killed some other guy named Billy. Right. And that's why Joe wasn't mad. But I don't think Joe and 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 William Bonnie or Billy the Kid were that close. He said that um, Joe drifted to various New Mexico towns such as Las Vegas and Silver City. And he spent time in Tombstone, Arizona. He wound up back in Colorado and Denver where he plied his trade as a small-time gambler. In 1928, a local reporter interviewed Joe, but wrote him off as colorless. Look, he didn't have anything to say. On November 25th, 1930, Joe died in poverty in Denver. His age was given as 76, but other source states it was 66. No mention as to whether he had any children. So, going back to his body being washed away, two men, a sheriff of Lincoln and a mayor, even attempted to get some DNA off the bench his body was laid on. You know how I said that when... He was dead. They carried his body to the room and laid him on a bench and lit candles around him. Mm -hmm. Two people from Lincoln tried to get the DNA off the bench. They, like, pulled splinters off. And um, the thing is, no one really knows if the body of the man that died that night was Billy. Yeah. It could have been the other Billy. And um, judges have refused to exhume the body of his mom and definitely have denied digging up Billy Brushy Bill. 
So there isn't a judge out there that's really interested in solving the mystery. But I think because, can you imagine? Like, I mean, I guess they could dig up his mom if they know where his mom is buried. If they dug up the mom and they dug up Brushy, the Brushy Bill, they could determine if she was really related to Brushy Bill. So that would be one mystery solved if Brushy Bill was Billy the Kid or not. Yeah. But how much would it suck if they did that? And found out that Brushy Bill wasn't Billy the Kid, and then they would have nowhere to go because they don't have supposedly the real Billy the Kid's body if yeah. he was buried at Fort Sumner. So it's 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 a mystery that's never going to be solved. A whether Billy the Kid died that night. B whether Brushy Bill was Billy the Kid. And the funny thing is, is this is still ongoing. People would still pay millions of dollars for an actual photo of Billy the Kid if any pictures are finally verified. The problem with the two that I looked at, um, one was purchased on eBay where they swear it's Billy the Kid and the images match up almost exactly. Um, the second one were two guys, and I want to say they were in Tombstone at a thrift store, and they asked if they, they collected old photographs and they asked if they had any old tintypes or anything. So a guy pulled out a box and they paid like $13 and bought like the box of pictures. And one of them, they swear is Billy the Kid. And I swear it looks like him. But no one will verify. No one will authenticate any of the photographs because there's no proof. There's no letters or no nothing of claiming where the photo came from. Like no one knows where both of these, because they were both bought like secondhand. Mm -hmm. There's no nothing with them to prove that it's Billy the Kid. Yeah. So even the, if they do like the imaging, the imaging is not 100% accurate, even though the one photo that the two brothers found came up 80% chance that it's Billy the Kid. But no one's paid millions of dollars for a photo that they don't know. But I mean, this happened 160 years ago, and Billy the Kid is still a legend. There's still people that collect anything about the Wild West. Like, why... I mean... And I've been saying about this forever. Some of the herbs are buried in Colton, California, and I've never been there, and I've always wanted to go there too. Yeah. So, yeah, the Wild West has not died at all. It's still, there's still people that collect all this stuff. There's still people interested in it, and there's still people that will pay millions of dollars for any little artifact from the Wild West. The legend of Billy the Kid is more a legend than fact in every sense of the word. Did the actual Billy the Kid die that night in New Mexico almost 140 years ago? Or did he go on to live a long and secret life? We most likely will never know for sure. And maybe we really don't need to know. Because that's the thing with legends. They never really die. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you. So be sure to follow and comment on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode and links to our Patreon page and all our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. And remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost. Cool. 
Kohler Smart Toilets introduce a new standard of design and cleanliness, sculptural forms, intuitive technology, and total personalization with integrated warm water cleansing, heated seats, and warm air dryers. For peace of mind and convenience, there are touchless lids, seats, flush, and a self-sanitizing bidet wand. Now you can even use voice commands with Numi 2.0, featuring built-in Amazon Alexa. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash Smart Toilets and discover what you've been missing. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.